This podcast was proudly produced by NZ Audio Editors. For all your editing services, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.nzaudioeditors.com. Ryan J. Melson and Greg Moll from One Plan for Retirement would like to welcome you to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. In this podcast, we'll break down the psychological tools and financial framework you need to live the life you want to ensure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. We've actually got a very fortunate, um, you're a celebrity of sorts in a very specific niche in uh, Girls That Invest, that's the name of the podcast, and you were just saying as well that it's almost outgrown you in the sense because there's just so much interest, and how many followers are you up to now, 40,000 on Instagram? And Yeah, we're up to 47,000. How many downloads do you get a week? We haven't recorded, um, we've just restarted uh, season three. So I'm not too sure right now, but it really comes and goes in waves. It's, um, I think altogether we've got a little under 10,000 total downloads. Cool. There you go. And it's also, it's not just like, cause it's, it's one thing to be a big fish and, um, big pond, but like you're, you're like really, really narrowed down on and helping women and investing. And we won't necessarily go to the status side of things. It seems that I decided I'm like, Hey, we're talking to a celebrity and I think we'll just go down that route. But, um, I'll be oh, always- I wouldn't know. I wouldn't call us a celebrity. Oh, but, you, you uh, get definitely... there. <laughs> Getting there. Um, all right. Well, this the origin story is always interesting. You know, obviously, long time friend, nineteen years, I think you said. But like, um, what, what's your journey? I mean, do, I'm not sure if they go under depth in that. Since your podcast, you always only value to others, but yeah. So, um, a little bit about why girls that invest started was when I was beginning my investing journey. So Sonia, my co-host, she is the one that actually is in finance and I didn't come from a financial background myself. I work in healthcare. Um, so when I started learning about investing and personal finance, I realized it was very, um, might I say boring or very (laughs) just generic black and white, the, um, I always like to follow Instagram accounts when I start doing something new. And I think it's something a lot of people do. Like if you start being someone that's really into fitness, you start to follow like fitness bloggers, or if you really get into like healthy food, you'll follow like food blogs just to have that presence on your timeline or your Instagram feed. And so I tried to find like investing, you know, Instagrams that might, you know, throw in a few tips every now and again, I guess nowadays people would use like TikTok for that, but back in the day, Instagram was more of the thing to do. And there was just nothing that I felt like spoke to me at the time. Like it was just very generic, very black and white and a bit intimidating almost. It just had like a very masculine vibe to it, so to speak. And so that's kind of where Girls That Invest came from when I eventually like built up my own financial knowledge and started like speaking to Sonia, my best friend about like what my finances were like and what hers were like. We realized that there was just this huge gap for other women who were following like a similar journey to us. And we thought, why not just 
be the ones that fix the problem that we faced. Hmm. So on that note, like what, what do you feel those Instagram, um, I guess, influencers were lacking or what, what, what sort of need do you feel like, um, obviously you're talking about the masculine side of things, but like what, um, what do you feel like um, is lacking in the industry now? Obviously it's boring. It's not engaging, but how do you, how do we reach those people like, you know, yourself or your audience or. That's a really good question. I think it's almost hard to explain. Like when I, when I tell a woman like, Oh, I felt like learning how to invest was hard. Every woman goes, Oh my God. Yeah, me too. Like we just, there's this sort of unspoken barrier. I don't know if we put it on ourselves or if it's like unintentionally put on, but it's just, it comes across as like a man's world or it comes across as when you think of an investor, you think of like a guy in a suit who's like stressed over like all these graphs and stuff. And it doesn't (laughs) even feel like a space that's meant for someone like me or like a young woman to jump into. And I think it's more, um, the idea that we have in our head of what it looks like. And when you look at um, like the Instagrams that I'm speaking of, they, yeah, I guess they just seem intimidating more than anything. And I don't know if it's the colors. I don't know if it's the tone or if it's like the fact that it's just pictures of men um, like, you know, Warren Buffett and Elon Musk and stuff. I wouldn't be able to pinpoint it, but when you learn or speak to someone that, is just not someone that you resonate with. I think the information is just harder to grasp. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it may, uh, uh, it's just the reality. It's like in a sales team. Um, I, I have a tendency to bring sales into this, unfortunately, because it's been a lot of my life, but um, I would find that it's better to hire people with a different mental mind map and um, that mm-hmm. di- diversification doesn't necessarily come in gender or a race, or it was really a reflection of, Hey, this person's going to appeal to this person in a way I can't. Um, so that's a good point. Like part of what um, I'm looking for the long term is to create um, uh, an information company where financial advisors get the back end tools, but represent themselves instead of having a whole lot of boardroom telling you what a subjective good content and bad content is. So then you'd have like, um, a certain certain type of person appealing to different people, but the freedom to do it in the way that makes sense. But um, you went into the girls that invest, and I had to look at the camera, not the screen. So, I, you know, <laughs> I'm just going by your audience. So I'm hoping things are going well. And you're not making faces, but um, <laughs> all right, there was a smile. I promise. I, I promise. Okay, good, good. But I'd be interested in your personal journey as well. You know, obviously, you talked about healthcare, so I'm not sure if you want to keep that separate or keep that out. But like, what you know what what was your journey when you started? Like, how did you find what was worthwhile in your life and that sort of thing? Yeah. So I, um, like a little bit of background about me, I came to New Zealand when I was two years old with my parents. Um, and we came from India and my parents, uh, essentially worked very hard to slowly build up to where they are now, which is a lot more comfortable than when they started. It's like a typical story of we came to New Zealand with $200 in our pocket, which <laughs> is what they always like to remind us of. Um, and so I got to see what like a good work ethic was and I got to see how to like live below my means and to not do things like use credit card or spend more than I can afford. So I guess I always had the privilege of growing up with really good money habits Um, and I always was surrounded, um, 
with parents that taught me to just give things a go and if you don't understand something it doesn't mean you're dumb and it's not for you you just have to find like a different way of learning about it and I think that is essentially what helped me into like getting to where I am so I ended up becoming an optometrist um, and I've been working for almost two years now and with the role that I'm in I kind of knew that I was going to go from being like a broke uni student to someone who would have a little bit more money and so before I left uni that's where that financial um, literacy started to come in and just understand what I was doing before I started. Hmm. Yeah okay fair enough is it is it like a, a counter to that so obviously you had the benefit of um, a family that's immigrated here they respect the opportunity and they're working hard and then you're also making the most of your money because you they didn't have much to start with like is there a counter to that where there's too much pressure and they're it's quite hard to like unravel that and enjoy life and and have balance. Is is there a sort of counter to that good value system? Yeah, I'm sure there is. I think there's like everything kind of comes in moderation, right? Or like in a balance. And I would say that I would be someone that finds it like hard to relax or hard to not try and be productive because you just grow up thinking like that's the best way to go about things. So yeah, if that's what you mean, then, for sure yeah okay because i find a lot of people they um sort of what they go through when they're younger is sort of how it shape what they want to do in life um and then also the values and and the things that you learn from parents either people try and not be like their parents in certain ways um or you know the the values that they show them is like you you, you become more and more like your father or mother than you thought until so you sort of reflect on it but um oh yeah i get that a lot I, my mum's always telling me I'm very stingy like my father, which. Um, <laughs> <laughs> stingy. Okay. Uh, not the best of adjectives, but I mean, Hey, no. she, when you're fun, funding her retirement, I'm sure she would be appreciative of that mindset. <laughs> so um, what, 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 are, what have you learned, I guess, along the way? Like what, what is, you know, you have a finger on the pulse with a lot of young women. Um, what do you find that there's a deficit in terms of knowledge? So one, the accessibility was an issue, but what, where do you think they they don't necessarily have an understanding and 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 have developed it subsequently? But where do you think the key pain points are with the young women and investing? I think, I think the actual topics themselves aren't really that hard to grasp. It's the initial, even just thinking they're going to be able to grasp it, or the initial idea of is this even for me? Should I even bother learning about this? And so that's why. Um, a lot of our focus on the Instagram has just been to break down the stigma that investing, like I guess you and me know this, but if someone is completely new to this, they don't necessarily think that investing can be done for anyone. They kind of see it as something you do when you've already made it and you've already got like a nice house and a boat and you already have all the money that you need. And so a lot of um, people that we speak to, they just like they don't even know where to begin, and when they start, it feels a bit overwhelming. So they kind of shut down. And for us, we've noticed the main pain point has been just making it seem like it's something that's even within reach. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So it's really around accessibility and perception. Just in case you're wondering why I looked off to the side and shook my head. <laughs> Fiona was just asking if she can vacuum. <laughs> I was like, no, probably, <laughs> probably not the best time to vacuum. Um, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. So, okay. So 
I guess making it appear not so um, so challenging and making it relevant because that, that is a frustration I had when I was studying. I was just like, oh, this is fucking dry. Um, and like, you know, it's unnecessary jargon. It's just, it's just putting, it's making it seem like this magical thing that advisors are doing or investment brokers or whatever it's, but you know, it's, I think it's just, um, well, boys club, really. They're just trying to like, Hey, I'm special. I know these things and you don't. Um, so yeah, I try to write a plain English book about it. It's not a work of art that in 17 days, but it was just a similar motivation like yours. It's just like, well, this should be like, everyone should know this and their lives could be remarkably better if they apply it. So what would be, um, what, what's your top tips then? I guess what, what have you found is quite useful in your life from investing and, um, and, and I guess lessons you've learned. I think one, just getting started, which sounds so simple and so cliche, but I remember the first time I even came across investing, I was, um, in my first first or second year in uni and this one guy he was telling me how he knew this friend that was investing and his friend um was he was a medical student so you can imagine he had like maybe 80 dollars student loan and mm. he was like this guy's like investing and he's paid off his student loan with all the money that he's invested in um but his dad like works in finances so he probably helped him and I just remember my thought was very self-limiting it was like well you know my dad doesn't work in finance therefore like I, I wouldn't be able to invest it's not for me as opposed to being more curious about it and being like oh okay like how did he get started is it something that I can do now that I think about it I don't think he paid off his student loans with investing at such a young age but <laughs> just the idea of knocking it before I even tried it I think that would be my first piece of advice or first step that I would recommend to someone just allow yourself to think it's for you like allow yourself to think you can even do it and that makes such a huge difference because if you don't think you can do it you're never going to be able to do it mm. I mean it's a huge point I mean start small start now is a good narrative in life I, I try to apply and I think it it's been useful there's all that trepidation and fear but fear is basically novelty you know so the uncertainty or unknown is what's fearful. So if you can incrementally work towards it, then it seems less um, fearful, like exposure therapy. Um, the tricky, the, the balance is you don't need a father that has finance. You don't even need a financial advisor, but how do you differentiate between a good investment philosophy and a speculative investment philosophy? And I, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people gravitate like sharesies and hatch are remarkable products and well-marketed, I just I worry about how people use it. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, okay, I can invest in these individual equities or um, I'll go on these index funds, but can I handle the money going up and down by 50%? Like, how do you, how does someone educate themselves, you know, or how have you sort of developed your knowledge? Um, how have I developed my knowledge? I think over time, like I've just done a lot of, I have invested in a lot of investing courses myself when I was first starting and, just reading a lot the more I read the more I get comfortable with terms and um podcasts really help like I love using like um certain apps and certain um news articles or sorry news apps that make oh, me more them. familiar with what's going on <laughs> oh, plug, I don't plug. know if I should <laughs> why, why I'll not? see what I 
oh, you know, it should be fine. So I love using, um, let me just pull them up. I love using C and B, C. I always confuse it with C, B and C. Oh, so yeah. I have to be careful about what I'm saying. And sometimes like the Wall Street Journal, I also love Reuters, which is not a financial media platform. It's more for like world news. But if you understand what's going on in the world, that also helps. Hmm. Okay. And the podcasts, were those, they, was there like a, an investment podcast or like a, a financial planning or property or? Is there anything else you listen to? Because I imagine you're you're in the challenging position where what you say you have to be mindful of is not constitutes financial advice because you're not necessarily or do you um, I assume you wouldn't have done your financial course, you would have focused on optometry. Yeah, um, no, I have I have done a um a brief course in financial markets. excuse me, I've done a brief course in financial markets, but I'm definitely not someone that's done like the level five. Um, financial oh, okay. advisory course that's I thought about it but um at the end of the day like we know what our limits are and we don't want to be out here giving advice when that's not our strong suit we just want to be here explaining like this is actually what a stock is this is different ways that you can invest or this is how investing works as opposed to like what to invest in because that's not really our place Okay, so I guess I guess your your main point of difference is you make it relatable and approachable, and you're not necessarily got an underlying, uh, I guess, bias or motivation. Do how do you is the goal like you know like it's just giving and you want everyone to know about it and be better, or is it, are you trying to bring a business part to it? You know, like affiliate marketing because because usually the way is either okay, it's you're a thought leader, so it leads to a top of funnel, and then people want to um, use your services, or you, you know you build an audience that people want their products or services exposed to, so they obviously help you out in that sense. Is, is there any sort of business component to it, or is just like a hey, let's just make it because we want to help? Um, at this stage, or at least like when we started, it was essentially just to. It was just a side project, really. We started off um, during lockdown, like most side hustles or side <laughs> yeah. projects started. Um, and no, so far we haven't really done much. We have recently gotten our first show sponsor, um, Sharesies, for our new season, which was oh, yeah. quite nice. But other than that, we haven't really taken on sponsors or um, started anything from it. It's just more, it, it's so rewarding to be in a position where people message us and say hey look I never thought I could invest and now I'm actually considering it or at least considering learning more about it because I just saw your podcast or I saw your Instagram and I realized well maybe I can do this maybe it is for me because like I was saying in general unless we're exposed to it as women we just don't even think it's for us. We interrupt this message just to let you know that there's a free consultation. Anyone that listens to this podcast, there's a link at the bottom. Just click on it, reach out, and we'll see if we can add value. Just the only thing we ask, if you're paying off debt, that should be your number one focus. The two people we can help are either working towards a goal like saving for their first home or someone that's paid off debt and worried about retirement. So if you want a bit of guidance and a bit of help, reach out. Don't let money come between you and a better future. Okay. Well, cool. Well, congratulations on the um, the show sponsorship. You know, it's not, it's not. Also, shares is all over it. Jesus. 
Every every influencer I come across or anyone that's remotely in finance is just like sharesies or hat, just all over it. Like the you know the one up project, that'd be a similar sort of um Yeah, Sarah. Sarah, Sarah, yeah. Yeah. I imagine you guys uh not too dissimilar in terms of your motivations and, and desires to help. She comes from the accounting side, I guess, but um yeah, right. Cool. Well, lights are turning off too. It's all happening. Um what happens when you do a remote interview after work <laughs> yeah. appreciate you taking out the time to do this i know it's not exactly work hours ah it was not it's not quite going to plan but the um you know you you are my whole focus is anyone that's trying to make a net gain for the world and is also authentic about it you know like you're you're very open about the focus of the niche and like if if more women um, can be empowered to invest, whether it's through me or through someone else. I, I doesn't doesn't matter as long as as long as the advice uh, is in their best interest. That's my main concern because I mean, unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there that either knowingly are giving bad advice or are unknowingly influencing people in a way. And that that is my concern with shares. Is is like okay, remarkable company, got a lot to learn. Um, also, with in terms of our side of things, you know, like. Um, a lot of people, it's uh, financial advisors are inaccessible. Like we can't necessarily, we can't service all of them. So you got to be a bit more selective on who comes through. So we need things like sharesies or like a national capital. They're like a, a digital advice process where it helps people get a bit more clarity. But my concern, my concern is like that the way people use those products and, you know, they've, they've got Tesla and they've got, microsoft and they might have all this research and they use this buy and hold mindset but like you know it can go to zero and that's true i i think um like with sonia and i or especially with myself like coming from a healthcare background everything that we do or the way that we think is if there's research behind it or it's something that can be proven time and time again like for example a medicine you don't give someone a medicine unless there's proof and there's research to show that it works and that's kind of how we take on our own investing um, strategies so like there's been a lot of research as to like how does stock picking rack up against like index funds like the S&P 500 for example and personally I just like to leave my things in something that's a lot larger a lot more diversified and then just choose stocks for the fun of it and just have a small portion knowing that yes it can go to zero and if it does it's not the end of the world because I knew that risk that I was taking um and yeah I mean like shares and hatch they've been such a big part of retail investors journeys especially in New Zealand Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely a space for them like you said and in every industry whether it be healthcare or finances like the DIY approach is just something that's going to be inevitable. I mean, like in our practice, people will come in and they'll Google their symptoms and there's only so much you can do in terms of letting them trust you completely with what they're coming in for. And I feel like that's the same with advice financially, even though the professionals are the professionals at the end of the day and you should absolutely be using them. Yeah, but it's some full of shit, you know. (laughs) yeah that's also true (laughs) yeah you know just just because someone's a financial like you've seen the course the court like to be a financial advisor the bar is so low 
It's like ridiculous. Like an optometrist like you would just rinse it in three to six months. An uncultured person like me, it took, you know, I, I struggled through it somewhat, but uh, I've actually learned more on the other side of things, working with an advisor that's done it three decades. But like, don't just assume because someone's got a title that they know what they're talking about. It's really about, like you're saying, using that evidence-backed approach and how that compares to what they're saying. And and there's always, as you say, there's going to be the DIY side of it. And I'd rather embrace that and, and I guess, contribute to the narrative because um, I'm trying to build it, taking a little while, but it's basically money skills where you, uh, it's a source of truth um, for money and developing that understanding, whether it's accounting and business, whether it's estate planning. So making sure your family's looked after insurance, investing, and um, and just making that free. And the benefit, obviously, is I become known as the person that provided that to everyone. But it also it, it builds a relationship with the DIY passive investor, and maybe they refer business, or maybe their their mistakes are less often because they're a bit more clued up on it. But the index fund side of things that you're talking about is, you know, passively managed index funds have outperformed most fund managers over the long run, um, especially if yeah, it's- yeah, I. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so it passively um, diversified index fund, making sure it's not just necessarily one country. You can do like a world one because there's something called home bias where there's specific countries that do well over the long run. There isn't a consistent winner. Um, so if you have a bit of everything, you're doing well. The concern with index fund is most people in my experience don't have either the situation, the financial circumstances, or the emotional fortitude. There's a lot of people that do. There's a lot of people that don't. And they come in and they invest and it goes up and down by 50%. And they don't expect that. Whereas like if you're an avid investor like yourself, you know, you use dollar cost averaging, you save the same amount each month. So you capture the upside and the downside. So on average, you do better and you hold true. The challenge becomes is what if you want to access their money in a time that you didn't expect? So that's why the boring old bonds and cash and having some level of proportion like a managed fund, like growth or balance is beneficial. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It sounded like I was just mansplaining there for a while. You just sat through oh, no. it. So. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I, I do agree about the, um, like I read the, uh, the study that was done, like I said, like we we love studies because if it's proven time and time again, then I'm going to believe it. Um, I think it was like two to eight percent of managed funds or fund managers, sorry, in the US actually outperformed the index over like a 15 year period. In the short period, like five to 10 years, the fund managers would sometimes do better, but when I, when I read that, I was like, oh, look, that's their job. Like this is someone that has gone to university to pick stocks and if they can't do it consistently, I am not in the position to be trusting myself to do that consistently. Like that's who I'm fighting against. I'd rather just leave it in funds. I'm happy for you. Good. I was worried. <laughs> I was like, shit, yeah, fucking this girl's out there helping other girls and, you know, what women should I say and you're doing well at it and you're getting sponsors like, Oh, I hope you're not just out there saying, Hey, this is the the next Tesla, you know? And then just the next market correction goes and billions of dollars disappear. And that's my concern. I get so much heat, you know, I'm very open about 
you know, on, on social media about how I feel about how people are using different platforms and they're like, stay out of your lane. Cause it sounds like righteous. It's like, I know better, like listen to me, but it's just like, you know, so many people, so many people have gone through that stock picking route and just lost all their money. And, and, and especially even when you start small, you're like, okay, well, things have gone well. And then you got hindsight bias. So you put in more and then you incrementally put in your life savings and then next minute. But anyways, yeah, that, with, there you go. There you go. Sorry. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I think like with our podcast, we really emphasize, um, one, knowing your risk tolerance before you begin. Like if you are someone that doesn't like the idea of things moving up and down, then yeah, bonds are probably or term deposits are probably a better choice for you. Whereas like if you think that you can handle it um, and you don't mind so much up and down, then yeah, like index funds or if you're really um, really okay with a lot of up and down then maybe individual stocks even, but yeah, I think knowing what you can handle before you jump into it would be a good way to go about it. Do you do you um do you guys ever expand outside of the investing realm and like um good concepts in terms of like holistic? Because I find at least a lot of our competitors there um they focus on product and investment advice, where there's actually a more important piece, um, and it also protects against the future of the business where you know, everything's commoditizable and you, you can digitize it. So it's like at some point people are going to be able to do a lot of it themselves. And the, you know, the fees are going down for fund managers, the fees for investment advisors are going down. So if you're not expanding in terms of the holistic side of things in the bigger picture, then you have a shelf life. Do you, do you like, do you go outside of the investment side of things or what, what, um, what are some concepts that you use um, in your, in your podcast? Investing is definitely the biggest one, but we like to just talk about money in general and money mindset. And like a lot of people that we've seen or we've spoken to, they just grow up thinking like, I'm just bad with money and that's just the way it is. And there's no level of, well, wait a minute, why am I bad with money? Let's like backtrack and understand where this has come from, what happened in my life that made me think like this and what can I do to change it? And we get a lot of that. In all honesty, there's also a lot of subliminal messaging that women have received. I don't want to come across too like feministy, but <laughs> Go it, it is what it is. <laughs> Go for it. I am yeah. absolutely a feminist, so I might as well own it. There was <laughs> a study done that found something crazy like 70% of all money articles that were spoken towards women or sort of like were made for women with things like how to save your money, how to ten, take $10 off your groceries a week, like how this one woman managed to like coupon her way through life and the proportion of articles targeted at men is nowhere near what it is for women when it comes to saving. For men, it's a lot more about investing and stocks and how to grow your wealth and um, careers. And so as a woman, there is some level of being like, look, it's not just me. If I've always grown up being told like the best money thing I can do is save, that's all I'm going to focus on. And so a lot of what our podcast includes is just shifting that mindset and being like, look, you don't just have to save your way to wealth. You can learn to increase your income. You can learn to invest like this is for you as well. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, 
yeah, well, it'd be interesting. Some other stats you want to throw out there. Like, uh, you know, um, I would say I'm a politically incorrect feminist. Uh, you know, like I, I, I'm like, hey, hey, let's all have equal opportunity. Also, hey, I'm going to be inappropriate, you know, so challenge your viewpoint and yada, yada, yada. So because I, I, I do worry about group identity, you know, like I care about the individual. I have certain patterns where I, you know, recognize in others where I'm like, okay, this person reminds me of this. And then I'd have to be cognitive of not treating them differently because of that. Um, mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. So I'll be curious to sort of, I guess, challenge my own mindset. Um, to, if you have got any other stats, you know, that, that hit through or like unique insights um, that like a large portion of the people listening to this podcast are men. So you know, here's your, here's your forum. <laughs> Anything uh, enlighten us? Oh, no pressure. I think, as you can tell, I just, I love stats. I love numbers. I love um, statistics. There was one more thing, and I guess this is more for women, but um, there was this, you might have heard of Alavest, which is like a US-based fund targeting women. I think it's one of the first funds for women themselves. Um, And they came out with a lot of data, and it showed that like seven out of eight women when that time comes when they're a lot older and like their husbands pass away and they have to look at the finances, seven out of eight of them are actually disappointed or surprised because they realize that Mm. their husbands didn't manage it in the way that they had thought. And they've spent their whole lives thinking, you know what, he's the man, he knows what he's doing. I'm just going to stay out of it. And there's a lot of assumptions that go into that, not to say, men are poor with money it's just we're all the same and just because it's on him to do doesn't mean he's going to do a better job and you should really be aware of things like where your retirement fund is as a couple how things are going in terms of your debt and your mortgage and so it's definitely a space that I think and I'm clearly very passionate about for women (laughs) to yeah just think that they can do it and actually get into it more yeah, this is good. This is good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching you be very tactful because you know you're, you're talking to a bloke one on one, and you're like, okay, here's a woman's issue. I guess I don't know if you've had experiences where it hasn't been that well received. So I appreciate you of putting course. it out there. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, funnily enough, um, on that note, I was actually just talking to a widow of of late, and um, that exact scenario happened where the, the Australian super was mismanaged, and then they didn't have it, and it's like um. I sort of look at it like business. Most business partnerships I've seen fail is because one has a monopoly over a student competency or information and the other one doesn't have access to it, which leads to the potential for them being ripped off or not represented as, as good as they hope. So it's just, it's just smart in general, whether you're in a partnership or in business that you have, you're across all of it. You, you can recognize, hey, certain part um, people have competencies in certain areas or which usually stems from an interest, but that's not to say you can't be across it because the very fact that either if you're more conservative or more volatile, uh, more risk taking, you might balance out that partnership. So I, yeah, I would, ag- so I'd encourage any, any woman that the few percent that listen to this, we've got some non-binaries as well. Shout out. Um, but you can see that in the statistics where it breaks it down. It's like 1% non-binary. So cool. Um, have you got any other stats or I guess, 
um, triggering statements or like statements that will, you know, challenge the narrative because I'm, I'm happy to think a different way or, um, or maybe, maybe there's something I might not be exposed to or think about. Um, yeah. No, I think, I think I've challenged enough things tonight for Smart. one episode. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. It'll go, it'll go viral. <laughs> The challenges as well. The, the the video is clunking out a few times, so it might just be controversial audio. But we'll see what we can pull out of it. Um, so what's the vision? What's the what's the future? What are you hoping to either one empower women or or one develop your own business or what's um what's the dream? That's a good question. I think. I don't really have an answer um, in terms of like where Girls at Invest is going forward, but just continuing to do what we're doing right now, which is just putting it out there that investing is for everyone, regardless of like who you are or where you've come from. And yeah, just continuing to push that narrative as, as much as we can. Like really, if I had to put like a goal to it, I would just love to see the statistics of how many women invest increase because right now it's just, it's poor and you've already got women not making enough money. And if we're not investing it, then that discrepancy is just going to keep growing. Like Mm. as a woman, being able to be financially free means a lot because you can leave situations that don't really serve you that well. If you're a woman stuck in like, an abusive relationship if you don't have the financial means to leave it it makes it harder and that's just the the truth yeah well i was um a few of the podcasts of late have been around the legal side of things and i was looking at like family violence and um and domestic violence and just like how few uh protections are out there you know like restraining orders how like fucking useless they are and you know i, I had a had a friend um she she just woke up one night and there was a guy standing in her room and it was like a her neighbor that had a crush on her and it was just fucking scary awful and there's very little um aside from moving that the the courts could provide in terms of protection and then you combine that with like let's say you're in a relationship and it's abusive and then your self-esteem's taking a hit so one taking the confidence to leave and then also being in a financially crippling situation where you don't have access to the funds because as you say you're trusting that partner or they were trying to monopolize it and oh it's yeah it's awful yeah i don't know don't know where i was going with that just yeah it's awful and i'm aware yes. of how awful it is yeah so if there's anyone uh, um anyone in that situation really like yeah i reach out see what i can do in terms of i don't know brainstorming I, I find like just sharing what you're going through and and having someone that's contrary to what you're feeling to instill some hope in your future does play a big part and I, I don't care if it's become a client or not it'd be great imagine if i had just like all women clients like 500 and we just like had this <laughs> i wouldn't do that I, it might happen it might happen but so um uh, before i say anything controversial as i warned you with the pc feminist combination um what would be a good way to find you guys and um also what would be something that any young woman listening or older woman um, that you would want them to take away? 
Um, so we're on Instagram at Girls That Invest, and then our podcast is also just Girls That Invest, um, and you can find us on Spotify or Apple or wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts, essentially. Um, and yeah, we've also got a Facebook group, um, Girls That Invest, surprisingly, is, is what it's called, and that's just for, I guess, almost like a safe space for people just to ask questions without coming across like they're dumb. Um, mm. because I know it's very hard to ask about money. Um, it's such a personal thing. We don't even talk about it with our own friends and family. So it's nice to do it anonymously there too. Mm. Girls only? Can I join it or no? I, I won't say anything. You you, you know what? We'll make an exception. I've got to be careful because that's the other thing because the whole imagined narrative or focus with it is that um, you're creating a space where they're comfortable to share. Like the thing I'm going to at seven, seven fifteen is basically they're called the mankind project. And it's where it's just men. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I understand why it benefits them. Um, because you just, you, there's a different style of communication and there's certain connotations that are associated and they feel safer. Um, so in hindsight, um, as gracious as your offer is to make an exception, I understand why you had the um, the setup. So um, I'll just I'll I'll follow your Instagram as per, and um, also uh, I always give my mate a shout out because fifteen years we've been friends, not nineteen years, but he edits the podcast, so he'll somehow manage to save all the mistakes I made in the recording of it, and um, sends it audio editors dot com. But thank you for coming. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I just realized I didn't give the one piece. Did you say one piece of advice? Yes. Yes, one? you didn't. You're okay. right. Yeah, you can still do it. Um, okay, sure. Uh, I should, probably should have had one on mine before I said that. <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess the one piece of advice that I would want people to take away if they were listening to this episode would just be that, all these things, while they can seem daunting to start off with, and I was no exception, like I was put off from how scary it all looked, there isn't really anything out there that you can't understand if you give it enough goes. And if you don't understand it from one person, ask someone else. And if you don't understand it from one book, read a different one or watch a different YouTube video or listen to a different podcast. Like There's always a way to learn whatever you want to learn. It's just a matter of finding it. Cool. Hey, you clutched it. We'll leave it on that. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.